A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Hi, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us again. Um, today on the chair, I've got Dr. Tsidi Matibela, and I'm very excited to, um, to have this conversation with her. Um, if you're finding us for the first time, please subscribe to our channel. And if you're following us, thank you for doing that. And continue to like and comment on all the conversations that we are having. So today, as I said, I've got Dr. Tsidi, and she's going to be talking to us about careers in academia and even women in academia for us to get a sense of what's going in there. And the reason why I actually asked her to, um, to join us today is I think I'm an academic somewhere inside me. There is something that I'm quite uh, passionate about, about education, and I was brought up in a family where education was not even up for negotiation. I remember my father had a small um, blackboard for us on the wall where we were doing our homework and he used to teach us mathematics, which I still did not get right. But anyway, that's a story for another conversation. But yeah, so I'm quite passionate about education and, and sharing wisdom and sharing things that other people know that we might not all know. and. Hence, we are having this conversation. Sidi, that was a long intro. How are you? <laughs> well, man, I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you. And I really appreciate that uh, you invited me to come and share, especially my story in academia. Oh, that's yeah. great. So on this platform, people introduce themselves. So please introduce oh. yourself. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> okay. I am Sidi Matibe, Mutsidisi Matibe. Um, I'm a full-time faculty at Gibbs. I teach in the space of entrepreneurship and, uh, and marketing. Uh, so my research is basically on the context, entrepreneurship in context. I look at the township economy, the informal sector, and the base of the pyramid. My research question is basically to say, how does the context influence the entrepreneurial performance? Reason being that uh, we know that research tells us that entrepreneurship is one of the answers to uh, economic growth, alleviating poverty and creating jobs. So that is where my passion is. How can, for me, is how can I contribute towards the economy of our country as the citizen? So, yeah, that is me. And yeah, my PhD is in um, the base of the pyramid. So that is part of my research as well, whereby I did my master's in um, entrepreneurship policies, looking at not policies, but the, the government support. How, how, do, how does government support entrepreneurs and whether these entrepreneurs know about the opportunities that are available for them? It was basically also on the informal sector, the, the entrepreneurs that are in the informal space. So that is where I am playing. And I'm very wow. much excited, yeah. <laughs> wow, quite exciting. And yeah. anyway, sorry, I boost your, your surname and I called you something else. Um, apologies it's fine. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Adding um, to that before you continue, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a sister. And I'm adding that because you said also, how is it to be a woman in academia? So yes, I have all the other responsibilities on the side as well, mother of two, I'm a sister, I'm, yeah, that, that is me. No, great, thank you, thank you for that. So I'm, I'm quite fascinated, now I'm going to digress a bit because I've done so many other things in my life and I'm quite passionate about the mass market, the bottom of the pyramid, because that's the kind of work that I've done um, within the corporate space, mainly in my the last role that I had in, in corporate. And, and I get fascinated about the psychology and how 
corporates sometimes want to bring products to this market, but sitting in their headquarters and not really understanding what, what is happening within the market. What advice can you give to somebody who's in corporate, maybe quite passionate about that segment, but have not really put in the effort? I know I'm digressing from what we said we'll talk about, but it has to, it has to happen. <laughs> That's interesting. Thanks, thanks, Mpume. Um, look, it, research shows that um, this market is different. And you find uh, most corporate that bring the same strategy, the same products from the, the middle class to the lower class. So for me, I would say lend the market, know who they are, know where they are and what they like, what they don't like, and give them what they need, not what you think they need. In that way, they respond. And also in this market, it's all about the community. That's what I like about them. So um, they buy to from what, who they know. So collaboration in this market is very important to say, um, let's say you are a corporate and uh, you need to partner with the, 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 the smaller ones in, in, within the same community. If I know Ubabutemba Payana, and then as the corporate, you, you collaborate with Babutemba to bring in your product, you not only are bringing in your product to, uh, to serve this market, but you are empowering Ubabutemba. And because the community trust Ubabutemba, they will buy your product. So it's all about who do you know? What's in it for us? So you're creating jobs in the space, you're expanding, you're supporting, you're empowering, and also now the community are buying from you. So that is that collaboration and partnership in the space. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I think that's a topic for another day because I can go on and on around it. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I see that. Let's no, no, take no. it for another I can go on around it. <laughs> Um, there is just something about, for me, about respecting people and bringing the products that they need to them and, and not bringing what you think they need. I think for me, that's at the core of, yeah. of serving um, the, the mass market or the bottom, whichever term that you use for that class of that market. But anyway, let's, let's so as I say, that's a topic for another day that I, I can really go on about. So Tzidi, if we talk um, academia, what are we actually speaking about? Academia is a, a group of, um, of people of influence within the academic space, within the education space. We're talking teachers from the schools. We're talking lecturers at the uh, colleges and universities, the, the doctors, the professors at the university. So that community of influence within the education are referred to as academia. That's who we are. We do research okay. and yeah, we, have, we use frameworks to influence the decision-making, to influence the policies based on the research, not what we think, not based on our opinions. So that is the community of influence, yeah. Yeah, and so how does it how does it work? You know, different career paths have got levels. Like, so where does it start? Like, what is the highest level in this academic career path? What does that look like? Okay, uh, let's talk about me. That maybe then if I speak about me, then we can get there. So um, how did it start with me? I was just um, matriculant who wanted to go to the university. And I didn't know what to study. And I went there. I did my HR. And from there, I couldn't get a job, went back to do my honors. So I remember one day I was sitting in my honors class, honors marketing. And this professor was just so good. And he would tell a story and he would lecture while telling a story. And I could grab all that I needed to. He didn't even have to open the textbook to say you were in this page. And the way he was lecturing, for me, I thought to myself, I would like to be like him. And mind you, before my honors class, I was actually an introvert. I never answered a question in class. And there am I now, I want to be on the other side of the desk. So <laughs> I remember finishing my honors, went back to my university and I went to the um, to administrator, the receptionist at the time. And I said, 
do you have an opening? What do I need to have? What do I need to become a lecturer? Because I am really interested. I want to be. Then she said to me, send your CV. And I sent my CV. I just qualified for my honors. A month later, I was called to be a lecturer. And <laughs> yeah, I will talk about the experience afterwards. But uh, then, so I did my master's. So how do you become a lecturer? Then at the time when I started, I just needed my honors and I started as a junior lecturer. But now you need your master's level, your master's degree to become a lecturer. And then you need to study further and do your PhD for you to be um, a senior lecturer. And then you continue studying from senior lecturer, study, publish in the field. Uh, you also need to supervise both um, masters, honors, and, and PhD students. And then as you grow in the space, in the academic space, then you become an um, associate professor because now you have uh, in the South African space, you, you have now supervised, you have published both your articles, your case teaching, your textbook books, or your chapters in the books. Then you become an associate professor. And then you continue finding your voice in the space, becoming the scholar now, meaning we use, we refer to your work when we want to prove something up or, or, or provide evidence for something. Now you are in the space, you're becoming the leading scholar or one of the leading scholars, then you become a professor. However, qualifications end with the PhD. There is no higher qualification. You cannot, there's no way you would graduate as something else. You graduate until PhD. From there, you can be a postdoc. Postdoc, it says you are now able to do research independently. And that without is what supervision. without supervision. Yes, you will have a mentorship there and there, but without supervision, now you do your research independently. That is the postdoc. And otherwise, with the professorship, I mean, associate professor and professor, that is based purely at what you have been doing in the industry, the influences, the impact. When I explain it, I say, look at the church. When you are in the church, you start as a pastor or a reverend, based on how many preachers you've trained and how many churches that your preachers have started and so forth, you become a bishop. So a professor is like a bishop in the academia space. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Like, like I've, I'm interested in academia, like, but some of the detail I've just never took the time to understand. So, and, and speak to me, so how does somebody get an honorary um, doctorate? How does that work? It's your work. Let's talk about Umamu, kind of Umamu, Luna, the Ndebele the, the lady who got oh, yeah. her doctorate. Yes, kind of Mama Sangu, Mama Sangu, yeah. right? Uh, Mama Sangu never been to school, but her work and the impact of her work in the society, not only in South Africa, but across the world. And the universities saw it that it really worked recognition. So my understanding of the honorary doctorate is a higher education institution recognizing the impact of your work to the community, to the society around around you and around the world. That is how they would honor you with the honorary doctorate. Oh, oh, mamu, oh, 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 Dr. Um, Rebecca Malope, again, her impact, her music, musical impact to the community, to the society. Also, she was honored with the doctorate. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know. There's a, there's a part of me which is like, Maybe just get an honorar. Just do a lot of work so that somebody recognizes you. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Because again, for me, <laughs> for me, Mpume okay. is, remember that honorary is, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But I'm thinking, if you're going to work to get an honorary, so you're not doing it out of your heart. You're not doing it to make an impact in the in the society. You're like, let me just do so that they see and then they give it so to me. So that they see what I'm doing. Right? Yeah, I understand. But if uh, you do it out, out of the, the, the bottom of your heart and somebody recognizes that, so it's really worth having it. That's just yeah, me. Yeah. 
I'm just being stupid. <laughs> so please, really just don't, don't go really. that route. Go the, the, the route, the other route, study. <laughs> and and I think for me, it's it's that thing of of really finding that the relevant topic that you believe will make a difference. The dog trade route could be very um, lonely. It doesn't strike me as the master's route where you've got, um, what do you call it, a group that you're engaging with and you're doing stuff together. It, it sometimes come across as a very lonely route of you and this research and the stuff that you're working on. And, and, and I've battled a bit around that around my head, but maybe one day I'll wake up and think, okay, maybe it's high time I, um, it's high time I explore the, the PhD route. You may, I'm not gonna lie, you are so, you are so right. Academia, uh, not academia, a PhD route is very, very lonely, um, but it's the same as leadership. The higher you go, the, the lonelier it gets. That's for me seeing it. But however, we, we have or there are support structures. First of all, it has to be your family. Before you take that route, you need to sit down with your family. You need to make sure that they understand what journey you're about to take. Because there's a point where, but I remember myself, there was a point where uh, my supervisor said to me, you need only one month to sit and write. And it was the December month. And I asked the family to say, please, uh, mm. I just need this month. And I remember my husband took the kids to the free state, you know, with, to be with the family there. And I sat and I wrote. But if they did not understand, it would be like, uh, uh, what do you want to do? Why this? Why that? But if they sit, if, if you explain to your, to your family and say, this is the, the journey that I'm about to take and I need your full support, it's only going to be for a certain period of time. That is number one. And then after speaking to your family, we do have, or should I say academic, in academia, there are support structures. You have your, your other PhD candidates who are in the space who are going through the same. Uh, so for me, I would say when you are working that journey, networking is very important. Attend the seminars, attend the colloquiums. And don't just close yourself and say, this is my topic and I'm sitting here. Expose yourself to those colloquiums, send it in, present, and, and also allow others to give you feedback, to review your work, give you feedback. In that way, you feel part of the community. You feel you belong somewhere. So you're not alone throughout the journey. Otherwise, if you just do it on your own and you see this um, loneliness, especially to the candidates who are studying and working, but not working in the academic space, but they're working at the corporate. That is where you find this loneliness. And for me, I would say, don't sit there in your, in, in your corporate and saying, I just want to finish my PhD. Join the academia. Um, don't design your work. Continue working, but join this community because now you are part of this community. Uh, and then you can get the support that you need. At work, you're working with Umpum. Umpum is not doing PhD. So he does, she doesn't understand. But if you connect with Utsidi on the other side, she understands your struggles. So you can speak the same language. And that's where the support comes. That is where I would advise the, the PhD candidates who are sitting in the corporate to say, don't lock yourself out. Join these other ones. Network with them. Attend the networks. Attend the seminars, the colloquiums, and be there and be present. In that yeah. way, you won't feel that that loneliness. Okay, no, I, I get, I get what I say. But how do you choose your topic? Like, how do you even? I just remember with my dissertation, I started with a topic, I went away and and ended up back at that topic. Like, how do you? <laughs> and I can relate. I can relate to the part of actually talking to your to your family and asking them for, for, for just time out. Because also with my dissertation, um, I left it till the university threatened that if I didn't do it um, within the, the next six months, then I would start my, my master's from scratch. And, and I, I told my family, I said, I'm unavailable for this month. 
and come find me if the house is burning. If the house is not burning, just, just I'm not here. Leave me alone. And it was just like this thing, but the stress, but also knowing that giving up is not an option because you're so far down the line. Mm -hmm. You can now just say, I'm not doing this, you know? And you look back at the monies that you've invested and the time and the effort and 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 thinking to yourself, why would I give up? But yeah, so that's just my story. (laughs) Now you've reminded me about that part. And um, so how do you choose a topic? It's difficult to choose a topic. The advice would be, what I would give my student an advice would be, um, first of all, find what you like. What's your passion? What you want to know, right? And because it's difficult to research on the topic that you're not familiar with or the topic that you don't like. Yes, there are institutions whereby they have ready topics where you can choose from is to help those ones that are saying the time is running and I cannot think of anything. I just want to study. So you do have those topics that uh, students can choose from and say, okay, I'll, I'll go with this one. However, if that's not you, then you want to find a topic. I would say find what you like. For me, how I chose my, my, my master's topic I knew that I want to do something for previously disadvantaged people. And, but what is that? Mm. From there, and I said, then I, I worked with uh, the supervisor, informal supervisor, I would say, because the, the, the professor was not yet uh, um, appointed for me, to me, right? Yeah. And, and I worked with him and I said to him, this is what I want to do. I want to do something within the previous disadvantage, but I'm not sure what. So it, he was a professor in the development studies. And he said, okay, you can do something on the government, do something. And I said to my, on entrepreneurship, and I was like, that's the thing. I want to do something on the entrepreneurship, but what? So what? now that you know, okay, this is the area I want to play in, is entrepreneurship. Then you have to go and read Sometimes we want shortcuts. In academia, there are no shortcuts. You can't, you cannot think, I, I want to uh, study about entrepreneurship policies. That topic might have been researched already. So what contribution are you bringing in the field? Nothing. So you know that you want to do something within the entrepreneurship space, but what is that? That is where you will find out when you read your literature review. It tells you these topics have been covered. However, within these topics that have been covered, here is the gap. Mm. Then you go to the gap and say, all right, so now I can research here. So, and, and sometimes the topics have been covered or the topic that you are interested in has been covered, but in another context, then you can bring it in the South African context to be to be to make an example. So it has been uh, done, but somewhere else. So how about we test it in this context? That is the gap. So that's how you choose a topic. You read, and while reading, and it's not nice to read because sometimes you feel like I spent three, four months reading and I can't come up with anything. That's not true. You did come up with something because you found out some. You learned something. And out of what you've learned, now you can see it. And, and just to add, when you have found now the gap, the most challenging part, two parts of the challenging in the journey of uh, writing, academic writing is not, is not an easy thing. I'm still learning myself now, but anyway, still. Uh, but if you can put together your proposal, that is the most challenging Proposal is not that long. Uh, It takes like 20 pages Hmm. because you definitely need to tell me what is it that you're doing? Why are you doing it? And who cares about that? Those three things, who cares about it? So if you can tell me that 12, 15 pages, now we're excluding references and everything, then it's small, but it takes forever to actually condense it to that small. Then you have your your, your proposal done milestone first and then in literature review i'm not for me it wasn't that difficult 
But uh, because now you put it together, the another challenge, again, it wasn't as difficult as the proposal. No, that is not. Then another challenge is to find data now, to collect data, because sometimes it's not easy. The people are not available. They don't have time. So you have to make those appointments and then they postpone and then they cancel. So the patients, the cost again, because it's up and it's back and forth. So when you have collected your data, then you can sit and write. Mm, mm. Then you can. So it's proposal stage. Most of the difficulty, finding a topic itself, it's a challenge. And then the proposal, writing up a proposal and then collecting data. Those are the three main or major milestones that you need to cross. Other than that, all is well, I would say. Wow. And why four years for a PhD? Is it always four years across the board or this just the average? The average. It is the minimum four years. Look, PhD is different from master's. Now for me, I say master's is an introduction to research. Introduction to research. That's, that is me. And PhD, you are now contributing towards the body of knowledge. So if you are going to contribute, if you are going to add the brick on the wall, you have to thoroughly do the research and it takes time. Mm -hmm. Because at the end, for you to say, to be um, given that qualification and say, now you are a doctor of philosophy, it means you've done your research and those findings are based on evidence, pure evidence, research, to say these are the findings and this is my contribution to the body of knowledge. So it takes time. And I, I read an, a, an article the other day saying bring, bring critical thinking in the PhD because now some researchers feel that we're rushing things. It's like get your PhD and study. So it's all about proposal, blah, 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 and finish. So that critical thinking, some, some scholars feel that it's no longer there. But I would say, if we're going to produce those uh, critical thinkers, problem solvers, uh, doctors of philosophy, yes, I think four years is the right minimum, I would say. Yeah, feels like we have to study for the forever. And I'm just like, God, I've been studying more than half of my life. It's like, does it end? <laughs> we learn every day. You never stop learning. So yeah, yeah true, true. <laughs> so 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 Tidi, speak to us about your journey. What have you found as challenges? Maybe we start with the challenges and we end mm. up with with the good stuff. Like okay. what have you found that you believe other people can, you know, I always say it's better to learn from people that have walked the path yeah. that people yeah. can really um, think about before they even um, attempt this route. Mm. Yeah, I joined academia in, um, I think it was in 20, 2007, right? And for me, at the time, the challenge that I was facing I'll just go through um, up until today was that um, you come in and it was, at the time it was still um, Afrikaans dominated, right? In my institution at the time. And sometimes we are in the meeting and I don't know the language and we need to wait for the interpreters to come. They are late wow. when I start. So they will start the meeting and you are sitting there you, you can't do anything. And at the same time, they'll be like, what's your input? <laughs> you can't bring the input because you didn't understand. Or sometimes the language, that, so the language was the challenge. And, but however, it was changed uh, later on. The language was the challenge because now they would conduct meetings within Afrikaans and I don't know Afrikaans. Another challenge is in the language space again. When I started joining, I was a part-time, right? And now there was a post for permanent lecturer. And I was told that I need to present in both English and Afrikaans. I could present in English. I could barely speak in Afrikaans. And how am I going to present again in Afrikaans? It was a disaster. So my presentation at the time, I'm desperate. I need a job. 
I need to be in academia. I don't see myself finding a job in a, in, in a corporate or whatever. No, I see myself in a, as, as an academic. So this is where I want to play. This is where I want to grow. So I remember I, I, I compiled my presentation using Google Translate. So how bad it was, I don't know. But <laughs> yes. And when I was presenting, I was literally reading through my slides because I couldn't speak and I did I did say I can't speak and but anyway they said everyone has to do it wow. so and and obviously I didn't get a job because <laughs> and, and and the position was I was still going to lecture the English speaking so anyway I don't know why but that was the challenge and another uh yo was that um I was told don't publish, finish your studies. And in academia, you are actually, I now know in academia, because if you want to grow in academia while doing your master's, attend conferences and, 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 and publish, just start publishing for the fact that you want to be in academia. But for me, I was told, don't do it. And at the time, I'm young, I'm in the space, I don't have a mentor. So I didn't have, uh, focus on my studies. Finishing my master's, I just um, got another opportunity to now get my full-time, be a permanent lecturer now in another university. And, and when I get there, it was another hassle again to say, finish your PhD and then you can publish. So for me, I grew in these many years in academia, but I had none publication whatsoever. And that was the downfall, I would say, for me. That was a huge, huge mistake that I would let another person who wants to come and join academia to do. Don't finish both your master's and your PhD without publication. You need your publications. So I had everything that is needed, like um, reviewer of journals, examiner of external, whatever, and moderator. And I was uh, extensive uh, experience in lecturing, but no publication. And for you to get your promotion, publication speaks louder than anything else that you do in academia. So that was the challenge at the moment. That is only now that I'm pushing my publications. So, so what does it take for you? So, so break it down. If you're talking about publishing, what does that, what does okay. that mean? Publishing mean uh, you're doing your master's. So I get it. I said the, the first is your proposal. And yeah. while you're writing your literature review, you can already identify the gaps in the literature review. Tell that story. Publish that, that gap that you found to say, look, in this space, these, this, this is, have been published. Have been, the story has been told already. However, here's the gap. And you publish that in an article, uh, an academic journal. As an art, so, academic that's, article. That's what I was about to ask, that you're publishing in an academic journal. In an academic journal. Okay. So that's okay. what you do. And again, academic journal is only read by academics most of the time. So now you need to simplify that story that you've told. That means you need to write an opinion piece in a newspaper or something. So you, you actually finding your space in, 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 in that you're finding your voice, you're building your, your legacy within that field. So you would publish in the academic journal, but you also advise to publish an opinion piece in your newspaper. So every, because this is what you found. But however, let's say entrepreneurship is not only uh, affecting uh, academics, it's also what is happening in our society. So how do you advise uh, the policymakers, how do you advise, how do you advise those entrepreneurs what to do? So you need an opinion piece that is in the language that they can understand. So that's what you do. So that is how you're not only publishing academics, but also in, in, in the space whereby the practitioners and so forth. That's where you publish. Okay. So, so how many pub, publications or how many articles do you necessarily need for recognition? And what recognition are we talking about? <laughs> it depends. And again, it depends uh, university by university. I would say as you are still growing, uh, for you to 
to become a lecturer in most universities, you just need, remember now you need your progress of your master's or you, I mean, you completed your master's and you have maybe, a, let's say one publication to so to see that you can do research. And when you continue to your senior lecturer, then you need your at least, at least three publications within three years, I would say, or you need three, five publications, depending on the university, right? So, um, and then you need to attend conferences. You need to show the proof that you've been, uh, you've attended academic conferences, you presented in these conferences. And another opportunity is to, because now you're still um, growing in the space, they don't expect you to write a book, but at least a chapter in a book shows that you're part of the community. You're not only focusing in one thing, you are spreading your wings within the field. So it's your conference presentation, it's your academic journal that you publish into, your article, it's your book chapter, and it's your opinion piece. And again, what you're doing right now, whereby you have these interviews or these conversations and yeah, that, that's, that's basically what you need. Wow. So if, you, you if you're sitting in corporate and, and you strongly believe you can add value with your own experience, but you don't want to go into academia on a full-time basis, mm-hmm. um, what can you do in that space? Is there also an expectation of you should have published and all these other things? Why not? <laughs> no. Um, Can it just be no. different? Yeah. <laughs> we are, uh, in our space, we have two types of, I would say two types of, right? And maybe there's a word that can be used, but in my, I will just put it in a simple way and say two types. You have your full-time academics, which is me, yep. research, research and, 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 and lecturing. You have your practitioners, which is you now sitting in corporate and say, I have this vast experience that I think I can share with the students, with the academic um, community. So what do I do? You, you don't need to have all these many publications. We bring, you bring in your experience and, and you become a, we, we call you a practitioner academic because now you have vast experience that we need. It has been shown previously that there's a gap between the corporate and academia because we so focus on our academic writing and the practitioners now, they are so focused on their what we do as corporates. So now how do we bridge that gap? That is what uh, is coming in. Bridging that gap is when now you bring the practitioner and the, uh, and the researcher, I would say, because we both academics, together and tell the story and give what is needed and make sure that we balance the two. So yes, you are as valuable as I am in the academic space because you are consulting, right? So you bring your consulting experience, you teach that consulting experience and you bring your executive uh, experience to say, this is what is happening in the real world. And when I'm saying, based on research, based on academic, this is what is happening. So now the student that we are both teaching comes as a whole because gets the tools in. And, and what, what also the interesting part, how we bring the two together, the practice and the academic together, we write teaching cases. Teaching cases are real cases where you bring the protagonist, either an entrepreneur or an executive in the company, and you tell the story. And now we're going to use a framework, an academic or, or theoretical framework, to see how we can address this challenge. You have to have a challenge or a dilemma as, as, the, as the protagonist. And now we use a framework, research um, academic framework or um, theoretical framework to actually address this challenge, say, this is what we would do. Now we bring the challenge to the students. If you were Mpume, how would you address this using this framework? So that's how we bring the two worlds together as well, through case teaching. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, that's an exciting part for <laughs> some of us that don't want to be in academia but don't want to be academic. I, I, I can relate to that part. So what are the successes um, that you face personally within, within the academic space? Mm. Wow. Um, the success, one success was to get my PhD. 
that was the main thing, <laughs> right? Was to get my PhD when I when I remember when I received the the the, the news was like, huh, what? Uh, yes, because one of the as much as I wanted to be in academia, but one of the reasons I wanted to get my PhD was to have a voice. I've sat in the, in the meetings and in this um. Uh, seminars whereby you would be umpume and then you say something and they're like, okay. And then Dr. So-and-so says it or Professor So-and-so says it like, oh, wow, really? That's a great idea. I'm like, ah, I need that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that, that happens in corporate every day. You understand? So badly, I was... <laughs> and you're like, but that's exactly what I was just saying. <laughs> who are you, right? You said, but who are you? So that was for me to get a voice, to be listened, right? So that was for me. So when I got my PhD, that was in one of the successes for me, one success, because now somebody will pay attention when I speak. Now somebody will listen to me. That was number one. And another success, because now I'm still growing in the space, so I don't have so many successes, but one of them was when I started writing my face teaching case and award an international award wow. for the third position and for me it was wow actually I can do this I can do this and uh, I think I need to grow in the space so yes I do write my academic articles but I am more into um, case writing because I see myself as a storyteller so uh, and, and cases are all about telling stories narrating somebody's story and yeah bringing it uh, and making it in a way that uh, people will relate to and enjoy reading yeah so for me that's that so that was my second ever and one of the successes again I would say for me was building networks because I got to realize that uh, as much as I started long time ago many years ago in academia due to the challenges that I've spoken about, that I've mentioned, um, I could not publish. So if you're not publishing, so you, you're still not that real academic. It's, it's hard to call yourself an academic if, if you don't have anything to show. So building those networks was, was a success for me because, um, as I said, I was an introvert. So now I need to network. And how do you do that? And I remember <laughs> being sent to one of the uh, conferences in Nigeria, first time traveling on my own and going outside the country. And I'm thinking, and the main purpose literally was to go and network. How do I do that? And, and for me, it was, so I, I, I researched on networking. And remember, I teach entrepreneurship. I should be a guru when it comes to networking. But I'm an introvert. How do I come out of this shell? And, and going there and meeting all those people, the academics, the, the professors, whoever, the uh, PhD candidates, I came out with one that um, I was able to network with and we built this bond, this relationship with him. And, and he's a professor in the Forte University. I don't know if I need to mention the names. Can I? You can, no. as, as okay. long as you are comfortable with. Okay. So uh, we met, and, 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 and because of him, he held my hand, and he really became, and I asked him to mentor me and say, look, this is my experience in academia. However, when it comes to publications, I have nothing, and I would like you to mentor me. And, and because I also realized the importance of mentoring. Remember when I started, I said, I did not have a mentor who could say, this is right, this is wrong, go for this. And I realized the importance of that. So my other success was to be able to network and not only network for the sake of networking, but knowing exactly who I should network with and why. Mm. And as a result, I am where I am. And um, I would say between 2020 and 2021, I was able to write to increase my pipeline in terms of my research, to increase my pipeline in, in, in terms of my, um, I was able, he even helped me, helped me to apply for funding. 
because I knew that as an academic, for you to also grow, you need funding. But how do you apply for that? What to write? Because now the proposal for uh, your studies is different from funding proposal. And now mm. he taught me all those things. And I must say, really, um, I'm grateful. So that was wow. my success. And however, the challenge of funding again is, as the young academics coming in, it's difficult to get funding because who are so, you? So take a step back. Why, why do you need funding? So just explain yes, that. You, um, you want to grow. I said I have a research, broad research question. How does context um, influence uh, entrepreneurial performance, right? For me to be able to do, to answer this question, I need to be able to collect data. We need money to collect data. I need to have people on the ground who are helping me. Those people need to be paid, right? I need to transcribe, to translate, to do whatever. That's money that I don't have. That's where funding comes in. I need to publish this data. That is money that I need that I don't have. So funding helps me to collect data. It helps me to publish, to write and transcribe. You need editing. It helps me to pay for my editing and then publish. So that is why you need funding. And when you have funding, the sky is the limit. Even this and conference that people, you go to. Who are the people that will fund fund research? Um, it's your niche, National Research Fund, NRF. Yeah. It's your um, National Institute of Human Science Social and Social Sciences. And yeah, they funded me this year. And which is nice because um, because of that funding now I'm able to travel to, it's a pathway, I'm able to travel to uh, other countries. I'll be going to Rwanda before the end of the year to uh, build this collaboration, find the research team that I can work with in another country. And that is where what also promotes you in the academic space because you are able to build these networks not only in your continent, in your country, but in other countries, not only in your continent, but abroad. So that is yeah. what is interesting. And you need funding to do that. That is why it's so important as an, an academic to find to get funding. Okay. Wow. This <laughs> has been I, I think this is useful for anybody who hasn't taken the time to follow what does the academic career look like? What, what does it mean? And I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Like I I've got searching for it, but I had never really taken the time. <laughs> I must say, because uh, especially in our um, communities, uh, there's lack of awareness actually, because um, people still think that you go to the university, get a degree and that's it. The minute you go master's PhD and you are a doctor, what comes to our people's mind is you are a medical doctor. So yeah. I know because in my family, I always explain, I'm not a medical doctor. I remember went to, <laughs> I went to the funeral the other day for my nephew and um, uh, I was asked, why didn't you bring the, the vaccine? You know, <laughs> should have brought the vaccine now, we, should we would take off our masks. And I'm like, I'm not a medical doctor. Yeah. So I always have to explain what to, what does it mean. I'm like, if you have if your business have a problem, then come to me. I'm a business doctor. I'm, I, I'm specializing in entrepreneurship. So if you're struggling to find that idea or to play around with the idea and see if it can work or not, then I'm here to help you. It's all about business, not you, not your. No, I'm not. I'm not that. So this lack of awareness in our communities to say. Now you have your degree. Now you're going to school. When are you finishing? And what are the levels as you asked? And what's the difference as well? So I think um, our duty is to go back and, and, and teach uh, our communities as to what's the difference. And also, uh, why are we still talking in academia? I think also uh, another thing would be to teach them, our community now, to say, our society to say, look, not all of us can be employees. Our unemployment is growing like nobody's business. But now the society is teaching, I know I'm derailing now, society is teaching our, our, our young ones to go to the university or any higher institution and get a job. We already have people are lining up for jobs and who's gonna hire you? So I think the mindset should be train them to start their own businesses. Train the young ones to create jobs rather than 
getting jobs because no jobs are available, but there's a huge gap in creating jobs. So mm. that's what we need to do. Yeah, no, and, and you're not digressing. It's, it's actually a very important part because we were all brought up to, to be a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer. And that's what our parents knew. There were one or two of those families where they owned a shop in that village or they owned the shop in the township and they seem to have the entrepreneurial element. But other than that, it, it, it was very few and far apart. Other yeah. than that, we we're all told that you need to, you need to go work. So I, thinking about entrepreneurship wasn't, wasn't an easy thing to, to come, right? You needed to start at the at incorporate, hate it, and then, then come back. Figure because out now you're frustrated. So it's like a, a healing process. Your entrepreneurship is a healing process. And it shouldn't be like that. It should not yeah. be like that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, and I get that. Talk to me briefly then about being a woman in academia. How has that been? How is the, um, how is the landscape? What does it look like from a gender diversity perspective? We're still the minority, I must say. For me, the nice part, I don't know, the interesting part is I'm looking at women in academia and also women in entrepreneurship. It's also a challenge because they are still in the minority. They are still looking challenges. So it's the same in the academia. We're still in the minority. And I remember um, I wrote a book chapter looking at exactly that the challenges facing women in academia because we come in at the same level as men and and now we are expected to perform the same the challenge is as a woman um let me make an example i'm a mother right yeah. my kids are still young and it's locked down so that means we are all in the house yet yeah. the work um load is not uh, reduced kind yeah. of, because it's me, I'm in academia, and there's a man, we are both, uh, let's say, doctors, we are expected to perform the same. And the men might be having more support, because now you wake up, you sit on your desk, you work, your wife will do everything. Or you are working, your mother will do everything for you. It's, it's easier. And, and, and I'm not blaming anyone, the society trained us that way. But as, yeah. as, a, as a woman, it's different. I'm not only taking care of the kids. Another woman will be taking care of the family, right? And, and, and I feel that um, then there has to be a balance to say, consider these, right? And, and consider these things within a woman's space and support based on these things and give a balance. Don't treat the same. I don't know how to put it right. <laughs> this one also because it's in my it's in my heart. It's my passion to say we are all need to publish. We are all need to find our space. We are all, we all need to be promoted if needs be. But there are a certain aspect that needs to be considered uh, from women as compared to men. And again, yeah. uh, going back to also to say we are treated the same, but Richard tells us we're not earning the same not only in the academic yeah. space, but as women uh, and men, we're not earning the same, but we treated the same. When it comes to promotion, we are expected to deliver the same. Why shouldn't it be you know, treated the same as that salary that we're not getting? So that, yeah. is, that is me. It's still, it's still a challenge, but uh, I'd like to believe that uh, measures are being put in place. It might take long, but somehow, Measures will be put in place. What, what am I saying? And, and I think um, instead of uh, being treated the same and saying you need to publish 10 or 2 per annum, I would say as a woman, because I'm not able to sit in in other meetings because there's other responsibilities that I need to do as a woman, as a mother, then find, find ways to, a man will have to publish three for them to get to this position. That is me now thinking, right? A woman you publish maybe two, but you have to sit in other boards that will help to contribute. In that way, somehow you're creating some balance, some recognition as well, because if I'm sitting here and publishing and, 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 and this man is publishing, sitting there, and she's, she's getting more exposure than I am, 
So why am I not being exposed the same way as him? It's yeah. a challenge. I think, I think, as you say, the societal part plays a huge role, a huge in role. role mm. which then gives justification sometimes to, to not having um, equal pay and all these other things. Mm. But at the same time, you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm putting not just the effort, I'm delivering at the same scale with all the other elements that I need to go through. So mm. I need to demand the same scale. In fact, some of the, this topic actually just gets me all worked up, to be honest. Because I sit here and I say, in 2021, we are still talking about um, gender equality and equality, whichever words you want to put at it, because, because it becomes also about definitions. What do you mean about this? And, and yeah. for me, it's not even about that. It's about being able to be given an opportunity. And, and if I'm delivering at the same scale, then pay me at the same scale. The fact that I'm female and I'm black is either then or here, you know? Um, but it becomes one of those, and I, I get I get myself all worked up about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. But yeah, so so just to close up our conversation, what are the three things that you would like somebody to take out of this conversation? The three things that are one, I will start with in academia, find your voice. Very important. Know what you want, why you want it, and learn to say no, learn to say yes, and know why. In academia, there's no wrong or right answers. It's all about can you support it with evidence? So if you can do that, it's very important. Find your voice. And number two, I would say balanced life. I spoke about family. I spoke about work itself. I spoke about, um, you know, not being able to get an opportunity. Work, academic life can be very stressful. You work around the clock 24-7. So find a balanced life. Mental health is important. Physical health is important. That's what I do. How do I find my balance? I, I go to the gym. I exercise. I jog in the mornings. And I, I dedicate first two hours to myself between 8 and 10. It's me. Kids are at school. It's only me. So I go to gym or I sit in and then I just read a book or something. That's what I do. And my mental health, I also um, have an initiative called Devoted Women, whereby I speak to women about empowerment. Look, I'm a Christian, right? So for me, it's, you need to find a balanced life. It's God first. And then it's you. And then it's your family and your career. Because if anything stops, your family will always be there. You know, so that is what I speak about to say, find your balance and your spirituality uh, should be one that drives you. And also knowing who you are. You cannot find your voice if you don't know who you are. Identity is very important. That is what I'm going to say. That is one of the other takes that um, I can give to the people who are listening. And collaboration in academia, you cannot do it alone. One stick is easily to be, it's easily broken, but you can't, it's not that easy to break four or five sticks together. So collaboration, if you are down, so one of your members is up there writing something. And for you to put that public publications out on your own, it will take you forever. But if you are working with others, then it will take you lesser time than it would if you were on your own. So collaboration is very important in academia. Just do that. Mm -hmm. Collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. And mentoring. Wow. For the young ones, find a mentor. Uh, I'm able to write cases today because I found, I got a mentor who's mentoring me in case writing. I have a mentor who's mentoring me in research mm -hmm. funding and academic uh, articles writing. I've got a mentor also in my spiritual space who's helping me to how do you now go about uh, growing this baby and, 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 and empowering these women. So mentorship is very important. So find a mentor, collaborate more, have a balance, know when to stop and don't work around the, the clock and find your voice. So those are the four. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, CD. I think that's a great note to, to, to leave to leave off because I'm also big on finding your voice 
getting mentoring, asking the people that have walked the path. This thing of trying to figure it out on your own, sometimes it's just a waste of time. Yeah. And you could be getting, you could be short-circuiting your, your journey because somebody will then be able to tell you that this is how they went wrong. And then mm-hmm. you try and circumvent some of those things. And collaborating, I'm big on collaborating. I'm just like, why should we be wasting our time if we can help each other? Like, yeah. for me, I think once your mindset is in those things, because I don't understand this thing of wanting to own things and wanting to shine on your own. And maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm short-sighted, but I always think when we work on it together, it's easier. I think yeah. that's the part for me. Mm-hmm. It's easier than having to work on it on my own. That is true. That is true. Yeah. So where do people find you? Are you on social media these days or where, where can, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, where do they find you? Um, I'm not that big on social media. I'm still learning. Technology is not my thing. But <laughs> I'm on Facebook, Tidi Matibe, and I'm on LinkedIn, Matibe T, right? Or Tidi Matibe on LinkedIn. So that's, that's where you can find me on social media. So it's LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's great. And thank you. Thank you for, for the time. And I really highly appreciate. So for anybody who's listening, please continue to, to follow us, um, like, comment, let us know if these conversations are useful or not and, and give us some feedback. And thank you. Thank you very much, Didi. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Pume. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Ngubedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.